Hello and welcome along to the latest episode of the Smart Cities World podcast. This episode brought to you in association with Venturous Group. Here I'm joined by Benson Tam, founder and CEO of Venturous Group, and Michael Kwok, East Asia Regional Chair for Arab. Together we're going to talk through innovation through partnerships in cities and find out how Venturous Group and Arab are working both together and independently to support cities in that work. Welcome along both. It is a pleasure to have the chance to catch up with you both here. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. Um, we're obviously here to talk about cities. Uh, that goes without saying. But more specifically than that, we want to get some detail around how cities are innovating, how you are supporting that in your work, um, but also what role partnerships and collaboration have to play in driving some of this forwards as well. Um, we've obviously touched on just their partnerships and that's that's where we'll that's where we'll start because collaboration is such a an important part of cities developments to become smarter and more sustainable today so i'd like to understand really what role both of you are playing um together and in your individual organizations as well to enable that to move forwards benson i'll come to you first thank you luke well first of all Smart cities are very, very complex, massive projects. So consortiums, partnerships, alliances are crucial. And in our case, we're a group company. So we have a number of companies underneath us. So the first partnership is amongst the various companies. Secondly, we have external strategic partners like Arab that we also work with. But thirdly, more importantly, is that in China, we actually directly partner with cities themselves. So we work with the mayor's office. We also work with usually the new town offices, but also the tech parks. So you find that it's, um, we call ourselves the conductor. And uh, there's so many different areas in the orchestra to make the whole thing work. So yeah, it's a very complex uh, coordinational role. It certainly is. And Michael, from your perspective. Yes, uh, I'll probably um, start to describe who we are, Arab. Um, actually, Arab um, is a global company uh, with now with uh, 18,000 uh, people around the world. Um, we are engineers, planners, designers, technical specialists, and consult- consultants. So um, um, if you go around the world, um, in many of these uh, main major cities, you will see all these um, very prominent buildings or infrastructure. And very often you find the Arab is the creative force at the heart at behind uh, many of these um, very prominent work uh, in the built environment. So in a way, um, we are very much um, the one who are creating it and actually delivering those projects. So we do planning, we do design, we do implementation project. Um, and as, as I said, you, you will see around the world. But to deliver those, we can do, cannot just do it on our own. We have delivered this um, project by cl- working closely with others, such as investor, owners, developer, architects, government agency, contractor, operator, and, and many, many other professionals. So it is important um, for us to really find the, the right partner um, to deliver project in countries and cities. So the city is very much how we work um, because we have our, our team, our people on the ground in these in the cities, but we also work with um, 
as I said, many other uh, stakeholders. Um, I used to, I'm, I'm an engineer uh, myself uh, by profession. I use uh, call ourselves problem solver, but now I'm increasingly seeing ourselves as uh, a creator of possibilities, uh, by working with uh, our partners, because I think um, it's really important for us to work with like-minded um, people, um, and in particular, uh, Ventures, who is very much uh, the investor of uh, City Tech, and I think that's absolutely important um, that we understand how how the financing and the business model work. Um, and although we are we are able to provide our multidisciplinary multidisciplinary expertise and global reach, and also the cross sector experience, so we find that we are um, together with Venture become a very good partner in the delivery of smart cities. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it's a it's a really brilliant example to be able to kind of bring to the fore in this forum. Um, it, it is absolutely critical to be able to partner and know that you can have a reliable partner to deliver on some of these projects um, and help cities in that way then to address their address their challenges. And and that brings me on to the next thing that I wanted to to ask about actually the nature of your own partnership, the work that you've done together. Um, what does that tell you about the potential of collaboration and partnership to be able to scale smart city projects? And as a part of that, be able to scale them up and down so that solutions are right-sized for all cities, not just the big tier one cities around the world. Maybe maybe I'll, I'll start first and Anson um, can, yeah. can add to it. Um, of course, um, I mean, Sustainable development is is um, is in, in a way um, everything what we do uh, with Arab. Uh, we are very much focused on delivering sustainable projects, and I think smart city is something that um, really we want to strive to improve the built environment on aspect of all aspect of sustainability, including social economics as well as environmental um, aspect of cities that we work with. So if we talk about smart city, it's it's, it's not a new concept, but it's been evolving and, and very much targeting for, 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 our, for how people can live in a better world. And, and I think we, in order to uh, be successful implementing sustainable and smart city, we need to consider a number of factors. Uh, but there, as you mentioned, is the context is very important. To be able to look at the, the sort of a unique context of the city we are talking about, I mean, for example, is urban densities um, and how the ch- what kind of challenges and opportunity that we are facing with the uh, the urban systems. The other is about uh, people center. I mean, the cultural matters a lot as well as smart, smart tech deployment is concerned because um, there are places where the people tends to be more open on sharing data in exchange of better convenience and efficiency, but there may be other places where people are not as open in terms of using smart tools, et cetera. So we need to be looking at a more sort of pay people center. The other is policy. I think the policy actually will shape how um, smart city can be implemented because there will be um, issue related to how, how the city is operated and how the economy model is, is going to work. The, so the, the policy, um, how, for example, how they come, how they look at um, things like climate change or carbon neutrality, 
that will have a main, um, have a major um, sort of implication in how smart city in terms of its speed, how, how it may be deployed um, and how it can be financed. So uh, I think the, these, these three factors is, is probably what we need to consider when we um, sort of um, implement smart city in various, um, in various locations. So the context, the people center and the policy, all these three are very important. Yeah, absolutely. I think that really resonates uh, with me, certainly, but I think it resonates with our audience at Smart Cities World as well. Um, education and policy are, are super important factors in this, um, being able to ensure city partners that this is going to work, that they can rely on you, but also being able to influence policy decision making as, as part of that. Um, it's really the way forward in terms of collaborative working um and it's the way that really demonstrates how important partnerships are uh, so benson I'll, I'll come to you next on this yeah let me give you three examples large medium small um and they face different challenges so we have worked with the largest tech park in china this is called Jiangjiang. It is in the eastern part of Shanghai called Pudong. And this is a massive scale project. Uh, you're talking about hundreds of buildings in an area that is more than 10 square kilometers. So it's a, a big area. And the particular party that we work with is the owner and manager of the Zhangjiang Tech Park, which is a state-owned enterprise. And imagine them as almost like a city district um, management company. So this is, in that particular case, we formed a joint venture company specifically for them because it's so big. Um, and we start from the start, meaning from the original specification key challenges they're looking for. In this case, the biggest thing they're looking for is saving energy. So we have to start from scratch, start the whole design process, and start to implement it across all of the buildings. And so you can imagine this like working with a city government. The medium-sized project is basically with a one of the leading group companies that is the biggest manufacturer of backpacks. Um, you know Nike because they do shoes, but you actually don't know that almost all of the backpacks that you buy, whatever brand is, chances are there's more than a two thirds chance it came from this particular group. And they have a piece of land just outside of Guangzhou and they want to build a new manufacturing plant there but also to build a smart manufacturing base for others to come as well. So this is, you're talking about five buildings in an area that is, I guess, almost like a mixed use complex, right next to two of the top universities in Guangzhou. And again, we are starting from scratches to define what is smart manufacturing, how do we deliver all the other so-called smart city tech within it? And also lobby the city government to say that we get the right policies, we get all the other incentives, 
attract the right companies to come. So that's a medium project. And small ones are buildings by buildings. And we have a joint venture with Arab in Hong Kong, where we turn buildings into smart buildings. In this case, uh, typically we work with uh, real estate developers who have who are owners and managers of these buildings. These ones are a little bit easier. We typically would give them a standard type of design and product, and then we use that to customize it. And these are much faster. And in fact, going forward, we think we can, as you say, downsize to the right one, which is they can just download our uh, neuron uh, app to start running their own buildings almost instantaneously. So large, medium, and small, as you say, uh, a city is made up of all of that. And I like your word right sizing. It, it is about, you know, getting the right word for the right customers. Yeah, for sure. I think those really good examples to, to bring up here, actually. Um, and I think what's really important is it's not only in cities uh, from a kind of public perspective um, and what is owned by cities and local authorities and governments but it's things that kind of look and operate a bit like cities with lots of throughput, lots of, uh, lots of people, lots of, lots of challenges that are similar to those being faced in cities, but just from a slightly different angle. And that's just as important in, in so many ways. I, I want to jump in there, Luke, and to say so many people misunderstand when they hear about smart city. Oh, city as one blob. It's not. City is like a chessboard. It can be one particular, you know, square on the chessboard. It can be a couple of squares and it can be a big slug of many, many squares. Think of it as like monopoly. You can have one building, a whole street, a whole district, or perhaps a whole town. Um, and it's very, very different scales with very, very different needs. It's a really good point to make, definitely. Um... I think the next thing I wanted to to cover off is to really understand what your opinions are on the smart city landscape as it as it stands and connect that into collaboration and, and partnerships. So I want to understand which areas in the kind of city landscape do you see the most potential for new partnerships to be struck when you consider the existing challenges within cities at the moment? And that might be with a view to innovation or sustainability, but I'd love to get your take on it. Uh, ben, Benson, we'll start with you. Well, good. Um, Michael and I talked a lot about this. Where do you start? Because this is, these are massive projects. And about three, four years ago, we realized the biggest gating issue is money. Where do you find the money and why do they want to spend the money? And so that's why you find that we are looking forever for projects that mix dollar and cents, cents for the owners. So whatever can we find is that whatever can save them the most money. And on that point, after money is actually, surprise, surprise, I mean, since you're in London, energy, energy. The reason is that um, Michael can tell you for most of the buildings, if you use Arab design and all that, you can cut something like a six 
sometimes a third of the energy off, which is a lot, a lot more than new materials, a lot more than anything else. So the second thing is to look for energy savings. So where can you save money and save and make energy savings? So we find that the hotspots within like Hong Kong and other cities um, is actually shrunken down to buildings. Because just imagine today, you know, you know, we went, just went through three years of COVID. A lot of businesses are suffering. Uh, you know, rental are not going out. Money is tight. And uh, certainly in this winter, energy is something that is hot on the topics of everybody. And where is it hitting? It's really hitting on the commercial buildings where you have one owner for a whole building, you know, lots of money for the energy that can be saved. And they are the most incentivized to actually take the lead to make it smart because it actually saves money and it actually saves energy. So in all sense of the word, this is this is a big win for them. Yeah, exactly. Um, in, in fact, you look at um, carbon emissions in, in city. Um, so 90% of uh, carbon emissions in city is related to transport, waste, and energy cons- consumption. In fact, energy is, is the biggest contributor to uh, to carbon emission. So in a way, it's, it's, um, I would say it's easy easy thing to start, easy point to, to, to look into. However, um, you need to know how to, uh, how to measure the problem itself before you can manage any problem. So um, the thing which uh, Benson and myself started, um, um, in particular this um, smart building platform called Neuron, uh, is a way to allow us to get a data that help um, building operator to improve and more importantly test scenario on, on the data that they can collect uh, from various uh, IoT and, and building system. And really it is to allow the, the data of uh, the building and the systems to able to talk to each other so that we, by de- deploying the, um, the IoT device and computational cap- capabilities with the help of uh, cloud, comp- cloud computing, the AI and input system, et cetera, et cetera, we will be able to connect very important to the user and operator to have more direct communication so that the, the user have this autonomy on controlling the outcome and the, and, and the operator will, <clears throat> will be able to somehow also predict, um, have that as predictive uh, function so that they can have a better maintenance planning and also resource management. So um, in a way, we call it a bit of like a digital twin that um, it become a, more than just a predictive uh, maintenance uh, sort of platform, but from a design perspective, it also provides very well valuable lessons um, in the real-time operation. So in our future design, we can design the building much better. Um, so we, we can, in the future, design smarter building, but also be able to convert some of the less smarter, less smart building to be smarter um, with, with such a, a platform. It's really timely to have this conversation here around energy and finance. Definitely, we're getting to a point where it is crucial that every penny counts for everyone who is part of smart city operations, whether public or private. Uh, and to really make the most of the resource, financial and otherwise, that they have at their disposal. Um, so I'm glad that we were able to, to get into this. And you're right, you know, there's, there is so much potential here 
for new partnerships and new ways of working and new technology to break through to be able to address these challenges. Um, it's a really, it's a really good point. And as I said, really timely as well. And, and look, uh, can I just add that? I mean, of course, we just stopped our um, building just now. Actually, with all this data, we will ex- we'll be able to extend it to the city management, which is going to be data-driven. Um, and technology is moving really at pace and it's, there's continuous evolution. So people, process, governance, we need to catch up with technology. So we, we, with technology, we now can be even more sort of user-centric and the city can be more services-driven where citizens will have more time for, for their family and social aspect and healthier life in a greener, greener environment, cities. So cities will enjoy the less carbon-dependent growth under the low, new and low-carbon economy. So it is it's more than just, just a building. It's, it's when you start expanding it to the city management, you create a much more smarter, greener, and more resilient city. And that's important for our sustainable future. Couldn't agree more. And the more we're able to bring that kind of systems approach um, in, into cities, uh, the more livable communities and, and cities are going to be in, in the long run. Um, and that's what every city government ultimately is is striving to do. Yeah, well, I want to add a point, which is probably very topical now. You know, um, even us in Asia can see all the pictures of these, you know, green activists saying that no oil, stop oil, right? Now, um, just now, Michael's point and your point, Luke, reminds me, why is there that confrontation in the middle of the road? I think the problem with that is that right now, how green a city is, uh, people assume it is one size fits all. If the activists want it very green, they want the whole city, everyone to choose every very green. But everybody is different, okay? Some people want it more green, some people want it less green. Just like some people want it, you know, want your steak more salty, other ones that want it less salty. Now, uh, Michael's point is great, which is, I think with all the data and technology, people are given a choice. I always say that in the future, your phone will become the remote control for you to control your version of the city. Just like if you have a remote control, they can control your aircon, you can dial it up to 26 to be green or 21 to be super comfortable, right? And everybody is different. And the ability for a phone to control your way of living is already here. That's why we call it a data platform. That's why we can do that. For a building, a smart building that Neuron is building, have you ever thought about it? Why should your aircon switch be on the wall? Why should it not be here? It should be here, right? Um, That is so yesterday. And the same thing will happen, which is that everybody, when they live in the city, will say, you know what? I want it very green. I don't mind if I pay a little bit more, I'm very willing to pay. Another person will make another choice. So the city will become what I call programmable cities. You can program how green you are. And there won't be any more confrontation in the middle of the road with one size fits all. So that's where it's going. 
Mm. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think personalization of of services and of cities themselves is the next kind of great frontier here. Uh, it'd be really fascinating to see how that develops in the next in the next few years. So nobody believes in central plan market economies. Everybody believes in market economy. Market economy is all about personal choices, personalization, and and so the whole thing is doing the same thing. City is very backward because. Why should there be one size fits all? Why? You know, that is so central plan yesterday. And so that's why um, the key missing piece, like Michael said, is there was no data. There was no way to do the technology. There, was, there wasn't a remote control that you can control your city or let alone your building. And once that is there, then I think in about five years time or 10 years time, you know, um, buildings that are not smart will be like buildings that have no aircon, no elevators, and no underfloor wiring. It would be that bad. And so that's why I also say to people, which is to say, you know what? If you're scared about these things, because we, we constantly hear, you know, bureaucrats and managers of cities who say, oh, this is taking a risk, this is new tech. I said, fine, don't do anything you'll be very comfortable. But can I also tell you, you will be guaranteed in 10 years, the one city that you're managing to be a dumb city, a dumb city. Because anybody who takes no action will be guaranteed to be working, living and playing in a dumb city because all other cities are moving now. There are 800 city districts in China that are all moving for the last 12 years to become smart. So they are all putting in aircon. They are all putting in Wi-Fi, right? I mean, metaphorically speaking. And so whoever doesn't do it will be left out. And so that's why Michael and I both feel so passionately about it, that we don't want any of our you know, cities to be left out. That we say, let's do something together. Let's take the lead and start the consortium, the alliance and everything else and do it one building at a time. Yeah, for sure. That feels like a, a very neat point to end on, given the conversation that we've had here. Um, I think that is just about all the time we have as well, unfortunately. But thank you both very much indeed for, for joining in with the interview. It's uh, It's been really eye-opening to understand the different perspectives that you are approaching these sorts of challenges from. Uh, and as you say, Benson, uh, bringing it back to collaboration and, and alliance, that's the way we make progress in in modern cities uh, without question. Um, so it's 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 been really uh, really fascinating, really eye opening to to be part of this today. Thank you both very much again. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, thank you, Benson. Our thanks again to Benson and Michael for their time and insight on the podcast. And it is always brilliant to speak to people like this who not only have such a clear and innovative vision for the future of cities but are also able to lay out some of the next steps to reaching that future and there's more on how Venturous Group is helping the public and private sector to achieve their own visions of the future in our Shenzhen city profile which was supported by Venturous Group so do take a look at that there's a link in the show notes for you in the meantime thank you for listening stay tuned for our next episode soon and we'll catch you on the next one